Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted to have you here today. I know that there are a lot of dog training podcasts to choose from, and I'm honored that you're here listening to me today. In today's episode, I'm going to talk all about societal expectations of dogs, which is a very loaded concept, but I'm really looking forward to diving more into it. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted just to remind you if you are interested in learning more about dog communication, how dogs communicate, how dogs play, how dogs share space, how dogs interact. Are there really alpha dogs? Is dominance real? Is submissions real? I'm going to talk about all of that inside of the dog communication webinar that's happening on Saturday, February 17th. So if you're interested in that, there's a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out a little bit. I'm really looking forward to connecting with many of you there and talking all things dog communication. In today's episode, I want to unpack something that I have unpacked to a certain extent in a previous episode. So in episode 272, entitled My Responsibilities as a Dog Guardian, I share some of my personal ethics, right? And like how I like to interact in the world with my dogs. And that concept is similar to what I'm going to talk about today, but I'm going to go into some more details. And I'm going to talk about it a lot because... Many of you know that my work is surrounded by complicated dogs, right? Dogs who can be reactive, dogs who can be aggressive, dogs who can be fearful, uh, dogs who just have a lot of complicated emotions and behaviors. And I think because of my experience working with the complicated dogs, I, I have a little bit different perspective than many other dog people might have. And I wanted to share more of that. I imagine that what I'm going to dive into today is very similar to how if you are a parent of a human child, this is kind of how you feel too, right? There's no one standard set of principles as far as like what you should and shouldn't let your kid do in public and so on and so forth. And I think that this is very comparable to our dog's behavior and how our dog's behave and how they interact with people out in the world, but in our homes. And it's one of those things that in my experience, right, it's over the last 12 years, something that's so interesting about dog behavior is that so much of my work is centered around people wanting to change their dog's behavior because of what society will think about them or their dog's behavior, which I think in a lot of cases comes from a good place, right? Like my clients are really trying to do their best to be responsible and make sure that their dogs are polite and well-behaved in public. But I think that there's a little bit of a double standard where we expect dogs to be polite, but then humans... uh oftentimes do some pretty egregious behaviors that our dogs have to respond to. And I think that that's really when things can get the most complicated. And I'll be honest, as a person, right, as a person, I really try to be polite and respectful 
when I'm in public with my dogs, right? Like that's something that I'm always trying to do. That's something that I go into so much depth and detail about in episode 272, like I was mentioning. But outside of that, right, I I often find myself in these conversations with my clients, right? My clients usually who have complicated dogs who can be reactive to people or can be reactive to dogs. And we have these conversations about kind of this weird hierarchy, right? Because like, ultimately, we have to keep people safe from our dogs, right? Especially if our dogs are capable of behaving aggressively, right? So there's this hierarchy of human safety has to be very, very high on the list, right? When we're talking about our dogs interacting with the public or people in our homes or dogs in our homes. But I think that something that... I encourage my clients to do is to obviously honor the fact that we have to keep people and other dogs safe if we know our dogs are capable of behaving aggressively. But I think that there's also this fine line of not punishing, not blaming our dogs for behaving in a way that is actually pretty reasonable (laughs) given the circumstances. And as many of you know, right, I have little Amstaffs, little blocky heads. I exist in the world. And I think that when you have a dog who is perceived as a little bit more intimidating, you may, like I have, felt the need to overcompensate and really make sure that my little blocky headed dogs are really, really good citizens, right? They are polite. They are friendly. They're not disruptive. And this is something that I think we all have to do to a certain extent with our dogs, but something that I've been marinating on very recently is What is that line? When can we decide that how someone interprets our dog's behavior if it does or doesn't matter? And this actually, this podcast topic came to me because I was recently at a Lay Schwab Tires. I was getting some new tires put on my car and I I like to bring the dogs there because it's good for them to come. It's good socialization. We can work on some training. And I had both my dogs with me at the Lay Schwab Tire. And I ended up being there for significantly longer than I anticipated, right? I actually ended up being there like four times longer than I anticipated being there. And there was a point where Waylon got frustrated and he started to bark at me. And he only barked a couple of times. And to be completely honest, I really don't think that anyone else sitting waiting for their tires to get replaced cared that much. But I found myself being a little bit more stern with Waylon than I would be otherwise, right? Like I was kind of like, Waylon, no, don't do that. And it got me thinking, right? Like, is it really the end of the world if our dogs behave in species appropriate ways in public places, right? And please don't mishear me. I'm not suggesting that like I should just let Waylon bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and go on and go on and go on. But ultimately he literally barked at me like three times and then he shushed it up right? And that was really it. And I don't think that there's any one right answer, right? This is not a how-to episode. This is more of a food for thought episode. And, you know, it really got me thinking that, like, 
dogs are not going to be silent. Okay. Like dogs are obviously going to bark. Dogs are going to sniff. Dogs are probably going to investigate. Dogs are probably going to try and jump. And like, what is the line that I want to, to metaphorically draw in the sand about what I think is and isn't appropriate? And what it really came down to in that moment was Waylon had to be there longer than I anticipated. He was getting frustrated and he was mainly barking because Spicy wouldn't leave him alone and he was just kind of over it. And in those circumstances, is it really fair for me to quote unquote punish? I mean, I did yell at him. I didn't like, you know, do any serious punishment, but is it fair for me, right? To punish him because if we were at home, I wouldn't have told him not to. I would have been like, you're right. Your sister is annoying, but when I'm in a public space, I felt more perceived pressure, right? Because there's people around. I'm trying to be polite. I'm trying to be respectful. And, you know, I think that this is something that many of you probably are asking yourself a lot, right? Like, I'm sure you've been somewhere and there was a really disruptive dog and you think to yourself like, oh my God, I would never want that to be me and my dog. And, while I think that there are certain circumstances where people just don't understand their dogs and how impactful it is to the environment. But I'll be honest, most of the people I see out in public with their dogs are like really trying, right? They're really trying to keep their dog to a respectable level of societal expectations. And this is something that I think a lot of times... If I had a Labrador or if I had a Golden Retriever, I don't think that I would feel the same pressures to manage my dog's behavior to the same extent, right? And I think it's it's another thing, too, that, like, a lot of my clients are faced with circumstances where humans expect their dogs to be lassie. They expect them to be the golden retriever who will tolerate anything and they won't ever set boundaries or or tell you off. And that's another facet of societal expectations because I think a lot of times the general public, right, the lay people, so to speak, just assume, right? Like if a dog is in public and they're petting the dog, then the dog should just tolerate whatever they do to them. And this is where I really have a a pretty strong opinion, because while there certainly is this hierarchy of we have to keep people safe, right? We have to keep people feeling safe. I think that we also have to expect more of the general public when they're behaving with our dogs, because so many of my clients have dogs that they have worked their asses off with, just literally done so much training and management and enrichment and doing everything they can to give these dogs a fulfilled life. And sometimes humans who are not dog savvy at all come into the picture and they really throw this huge wrench in the situation. And a lot of times I have these conversations with my clients, right? Where I'm like, you can't take responsibility for people not taking accountability for their own behavior, right? And something that came up recently with not one, not two, but actually three separate clients, they all have dogs that can be particular about people, Right. And none of these dogs have significant bite histories. Right. Some of them have done like a little bit of nipping. Right. And some 
reactive behavior and like the lunging and the barking because their intention is really to get the people to go away. And in all three circumstances, right, the guardians have done so many interventions, so many training strategies, so much behavior modification to help support their dog. And even with all of that, humans, right, humans have not quote unquote, read the room and they've encroached on these dogs space when they're comfortably sleeping and in turn the dogs behaved reactively, right? And this is one of those circumstances that it's like, it's not the dog's fault. It is not the dog's fault for reacting when they were minding their own business and resting peacefully and a human they don't know very well invaded their space and was actually quite rude and invasive. And it's like I said, there's no perfect answer here. But I think that so much of dog behavior is just personal perception, right? Because I've been in circumstances where my dogs have done pretty egregious things and the human's perception of that was that it wasn't a big deal. And then that same behavior happened in another circumstance and the human's perception of that behavior all of a sudden it did become a big deal. And it's such a weird paradigm, right? It's such a weird paradigm to navigate how we manage our dogs based on how people perceive their behavior, right? And Again, there's there's no one right answer here, but my intention with this episode was to empower all you beautiful people who have complicated dogs who don't behave the way that society expects them to behave. And I want to empower you to know that like your dog is allowed to behave in loud, reactive and aggressive ways, right? Because I know that all of you that are listening to me today are doing everything in your power to make sure that you're maintaining your responsibility as a dog guardian and doing everything you can to keep other people and other animals safe if you need to from your dog. But if you're doing all of that and still people are invading space, people are not leashing their dogs, they're allowing their dogs to charge up at you, I want you to remind yourself that that isn't your fault, Right. And this is something that many of you know. Waylon can be reactive under the right conditions. Okay. Mainly to dogs, mainly to off leash dogs charging up to us. And again, because he's a little blocky headed pit bull looking thing, I feel more obligation right, to keep him safe and protect him from how people might perceive his behavior. And this is one of those things that. In Waylon's life, I mean, he has probably been charged at by hundreds of off-leash dogs at this point, right? If I'm being totally honest. And if I wasn't worried about how his behavior would get interpreted, I would just let him interact with the per- the dog that had rushed him, right? Oftentimes he will growl. He will stand his ground, which ultimately is actually really appropriate in the dog world. But again, if someone perceives that as aggressive, even though they were the one who let their dog run up to me, I worry about Waylon's safety, right? I worry about what could happen from there. And that's something that can be really frustrating for me, right? So this actually happened today. We were out hiking. I saw this gal up coming towards us and she had this big St. Bernard off leash and it looked young it looked boisterous and that is 
all nose for Waylon. He doesn't love large breed dogs, especially young boisterous ones. And if that dog would have gotten to him, Waylon would have been very, very forward. He would have stood forward. He would have growled. He would have tried to get that dog to back off. And again, that's actually very normal behavior, right? In the dog world that if there wasn't an audience and I didn't know how the person was going to interpret that behavior, I probably would just let him do it because ultimately it's rude as hell for a dog just to like run up into some other dog's space. That's just rude as hell, right? And thankfully, right, this woman got the dog back. But as soon as I saw the dog, I was very clear with her. I said, we have a dog that is not friendly. And thankfully, she scrambled to get this dog on leash and we were able to pass and we were able to avoid that. But it's such a weird weird dynamic. Like I was saying, right? Like the societal expectation of like dogs are always just supposed to interact and never use aggression and always just be cool with everything that we throw at them. And that is so unfair. That is so unfair for us to ask of dogs. And um, something that I just, I appreciate and absorb more and more as my career goes on is just how fucking tolerant so many dogs are of such egregious behavior by humans. I mean, seriously, right? Like humans sticking their faces in in dogs' faces that they don't know, approaching dogs that are sleeping that they don't know very well, trying to bother them while they're eating, trying to take their resources. It, It honestly surprises me that there isn't more cases of dog aggression towards people. Like, honestly, I'm surprised that it isn't more common, right? Like, but I think that that really speaks to what we all love about dogs so much, right? Is that they forgive us for all of this ridiculous stuff, but ultimately we're the humans that are responsible for them. We are responsible for how society perceives what our dogs are doing and how they're behaving. And again, I, I don't know the perfect answer here. I really don't. But something that I want you all to really internalize is that if you have done everything that you can and someone else (laughs) ruins that, it's not your fault, right? And unfortunately, there are still the weird legalities of dogs and dog behavior and the things that can happen if your dog does behave in a certain way that's perceived a certain way by a human, but I think ultimately you just have to remind yourself that you can only do the best that you can, right? I can only do the best that I can advocating for Waylon and telling people like, yo, your giant off-leash dog is not going to be met with friends here, <laughs> right? Like not the circumstance that we're in here. And, you know, it's one of those things too that I think so much of how we think society is perceiving our dog's behavior is such a huge motivation for the time and energy we're willing to devote to training, how we choose to train. Um, And it's, it's like a sense of pride and ego in some ways too. And I, I think that I have struck a nice balance, right? Where I still allow my dogs to do species appropriate things while also maintaining safety and making sure that they're not, you know, quote unquote, disrupting the peace. And To give you another example, right, and a little bit less extreme example, but Spicy is a year and a half, as all of you know, because you listened to the Surviving Your Teenage Dog episode, and something that she were working on, like I told you about, is she likes to jump on people, and it's so funny to me because 
people who see her and are obviously afraid, right? I really work hard to redirect her attention and make sure that she doesn't interact with them because I know she's likely to jump, right? But it's it's so funny because then we'll see people who clearly like pit bulls, right? Clearly like dogs, and they aren't even fa- like phased at all, right? People are like, "Well, can we can we say hi?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but she's probably going to jump on you." And it's so funny because the people that like pit bulls, like dogs, don't care at all. They're like, this is great. She's jumping. She's licking. We love her. This is amazing. But that same interaction with someone else could be perceived so much differently, right? And ultimately, it's not Spicy's job to know the difference, right? That's really my responsibility as her guardian is to make sure that I am redirecting her and helping her behave in a semi-appropriate way in those moments. But it's, it's, it's just this crazy phenomenon that I see over and over again through the years in my career is that society's expectations of dogs is different depending on what human is interpreting the behavior that our dogs are presenting, right? And I know that a lot of you that have reactive dogs, you know this all too well, right? Because your dog's having a hard time, they're reacting, and you can feel the judgmental stares and people looking at you like, oh my god, what is wrong with that person and that dog? And I just want you to to remind yourself that those people don't fucking know. And that's okay. They don't have to know, right? All you can do is show up and do the best that you can for your dog and help your dog through those moments the best that you possibly can. That's all that you can do. And ultimately, how people perceive our dog's behavior is out of our control. It is. It's just out of our control. But in my experience, right, being friendly, being a human and just speaking the same language with people helps to diffuse a lot of different tensions, right? So I want to tell you an absolutely ridiculous story about Waylon. Um, so we do a lot of camping, as you all know, and one summer we are camping and it's just boondock camping, right? So there's no campground or camp spots. You all just kind of pick a place and you let it go, right? So we were camping next to this huge lake and Waylon was off leash and he was meandering and having a great time. And before I knew it, I couldn't see Waylon, right? So like I was obviously paying attention. It's not like Waylon was off leash and I wasn't paying attention at all. So I I, I go looking for him. Well, so fast forward, there's this older couple. They're probably in their 70s and they have this camper, right? This like uh, like van camper and they're sitting in there having breakfast and I see Waylon's tail. He has gone into these people's camper while they're having breakfast, okay? Which honestly is hella rude, okay? Like if I thought he was going to do that, I would have not given him that much privilege, but I didn't realize that that's what he was going to do, right? And it was damage control at that point. So of course I ran over there and I apologized profusely. And these people were not phased at all. They were delighted to have this random dog in their camper. They shared some of their bacon with him. I kid you not. Like, I can't even like, I can't even make up these stories. Like, this is just how crazy Waylon is. And I ended up sitting there and visiting with these people for like 15 minutes while they shared some of their breakfast with Waylon. And then I got Waylon and I put him back on leash and I made sure he didn't do that again. But it's like, it's so crazy because that circumstance could have been so much different if it was different people who were afraid of dogs, right? The, you know, 
they probably could have done some not so nice things to Waylon. They could have yelled at me. It could have been this huge deal. But meanwhile, these people just didn't care at all. And it's just, you know, I think about that a lot. Like the differences in communities, the difference in countries, the different culture of dogs and dog ownership and boundaries and stuff like that. And it's, it's so fascinating to me, right? Like the difference in, and I find that a lot of times when we're in rural settings, we're camping, places like that, people's perceptions of dog behavior is just different. They're like, they're animals. They can meander, oh, he came to visit and have breakfast with us. That's fine. They really love dogs, apparently. And, you know, it's one of those that I've just learned over the years different places that are probably going to have a general consensus of dog behavior versus other dog behavior, right? And it's it's ever evolving, right? I'm always learning. We always go somewhere new and there's something different, but it's just, it's so funny how differently different communities and different people can interpret dog behavior and be upset or not upset at all. So as you can imagine, I was mortified. I felt terrible. <laughs> I was very relieved that these people were very cool and they did not mind. And then, you know, I changed the plan and made sure Waylon wasn't going to run into someone's camper while they were having breakfast. But it's it's so much about how other people view dogs, what they think about dogs. And we can't always know that, right? And all we can do is our best. So everyone, thank you for sticking with me. I know that this was a slightly rambly episode, but it was one of those, you know, I just, I've been marinating on a lot and I wanted to just kind of get it off my chest. So if you have thoughts about this episode, let me know. You can uh, send me a DM over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. You can always email me. Uh, everyone have a beautiful weekend, smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.